When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Thank you so much, God. We come to you. We come seeking you. We come uh, desiring to know you more and that your word and your truth would just live on the inside of us and it would control and move and lead and guide our life in Jesus name. We love you, God. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us, that you've given us life that you've allowed us to even exist on this earth. God, that you look at the ungodly and the godly, Lord, but you love us the same. And God, I pray, God, that people would understand that your love, there is no um, partiality. God, that you don't look and show um, partiality one over the other, love one more than the other. But what you do is you reward obedience and faithfulness. And like the Bible says, those who come to God must know that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I pray, God, that people would understand that your heart's desire is that we would seek you, that we would desire you, that we would come and, 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 look, and look for you. Because, God, there are things about you, things about your character. God, they're not just open to see. You have to seek it out. You have to look for it. Um, I thank you, God, that you give us a heart of intuition and and uh, make us curious god give us a heart to want to know you to desire to know god and god we just we bless you we thank you and we give you glory in jesus name amen well thank you so much for tuning in this is the brandon archer podcast episode 45 and we are going to dive into the word of god today and I'm going to try to make it through Psalms 119, which is the longest book in, in uh, chapter in the Bible, or Psalms 119. And I probably won't make it through today, but we're going to go through it um, over the next couple of podcasts and just uh, kind of meditate and live in that place for a little bit and just let it speak to us. And, you know, when I was talking about seeking the Lord, that there's a scripture in the Bible says um, the beginning of of all wisdom and understanding or to the beginning of knowing God is the fear of the Lord. And I heard a message this week and talk about that. And then he brought up one of my favorite um, scriptures, which is Proverbs two. the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And when you have that, then you'll understand and know um, the knowledge of God, meaning you'll know him. You'll get to know him. You'll get to know his heart, the way he thinks, the way he sees things and ultimately when we have a right perspective of who God is it will answer a lot of the um, 
problems, a lot of the things that we're facing, a lot of the issues that we have, they can be answered just by knowing the Lord, just by having a good understanding and knowing God's heart and His truth. And uh, that's something that, that sometimes is a mystery. And there's things that you'll never, I mean, mankind will never know um, until the end of the age, until the end of the earth, right? Like until God comes and, and it's all done with. And then there'll be a, a, a great revelation. But while we're on the earth, there's mysteries. There's things that you can't understand fully. And that's okay because it's not about, and I've said this many times on the podcast, is it's not about knowing God from the perspective of figuring him out. Because a lot of people like to know things so that they can control and manipulate situations or they hide information because they're trying to control and manipulate situations instead of uh, being open. And I think God wants to be known for who he is, right? Like a heart that says, I really want to know you, God, because I'm fascinated and and you're intriguing and there's something beautiful about you. And I want to know who you are because there's a love that's been um, stirred in my heart for you, that that love that I want to know that love. I want to know you. I want to commune with you out of a relationship, like a friend, you know, like a really close friend or somebody that you, you really like, you know, and even more so than that intimacy, right? That going beyond just the, the outer and what's shallow, but going deep in God knowing um, us in that way, but also us knowing him. So let's go ahead and I think this will help us in this context of getting to know God is knowing his word. And there is a scripture in Psalms 119, which just talks about love, the love of God, but also the love for his word. So let's go ahead and start Psalms 119. And of course, I'm going to read from the Amplified because I love it. And we're going to start here. It says, verse 1, Psalms 119, verse 1. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are the undefiled, the upright, truly sincere and blameless in the way of the revealed will of God who walk, order their conduct and conversation in the law of the Lord, the whole of God's revealed will. So this is just verse 1. So what does it say? It says, blessed. And then the Amplified goes on to say, what does that mean? Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied, favor on your life, blessing on your life, um, goodness, where, where you're, there's joy, right? You're, you're, you're happy. You're not depressed. You're not miserable. You're not cast down. You're not weighed down. You're not frustrated. You're not angry. You're not bitter. You know, these, these emotions that literally become vices and strongholds in people's lives, when you are in the will of God and you know the will of God and you are confident in God's will, then it brings a joy. It brings an expectation. It brings a faith, a faithfulness, a trust, because you know that God is in control. He's the one that's working things out, right, for your good. But it says you're happy. You should be joyful. Not only that, but blameless and upright, truly sincere, meaning you're coming from a place of sincerity. What does that mean? From the depths of your heart, you're, you're, there's nothing hidden. You're being truthful and honest with your expression, right? Whatever, whatever you're sharing is coming from a place in your heart. It's not a shallow place. It's a sincere place of depth expressing your, your 
intentions or your heart or what you see or what you what you're concerned about sincerity you're undefiled there's there's a truth to to you there's no lies there's nothing hidden you're not trying to pull one over on god or people which <laughs> it doesn't work right you can't pull one over on god <laughs> good luck on that one cuz that ain't going to work um, but it says, truly sincere and blameless in the way of the revealed will of God who walk, order their conduct and conversation, who walk. So we're talking about walking, who walk in the law of the Lord, who walk in the law of the Lord. What does that mean? It means you order your conduct and conversation to line up with God's heart, with his truth, that there's nothing wick wicked in your speech. There's no guile there's no bitterness there's no rancor you're not there's no um you know you're not pessimistic you're not uh, you don't have an attitude that's negative and and uh, i don't like uh, you, you know you have this disposition that's that's truly just it's it's un impure it's not pure it's not coming from a place of purity it's coming from a a polluted well because of life experiences you know sometimes people go through hard things in life you know relationally uh, you know, a, a man and woman, they get divorced, right? They go through this hard, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching destruction of a marriage, destruction of once what was pure and love and I love you and all that. And then, then, then years later, well, I hate you. I don't even want to be around. I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you again. That could, that could jack somebody up for a lifetime. And it has destroyed men and women. They get to a place where there's no healing. They don't get healed and they just have this area in their life that's unhealed. It hasn't been touched. And God wants to come in and heal those areas in our life so that we can walk uprightly, so that we can know the will of God. You can't fully know the will of God if you're weighed down by unforgiveness or failure or regret, right? Regret, regret or shame. All those things like to live together, regret and shame of past decisions, of past failures, of things that didn't go the way that you wanted them to go. And the next thing you know, you're mad and bitter and angry and just so, you know, at life. And God, the thing about God is he comes to soften us and make us tender to him. But he calls or he actually comes and calls us to a higher standard, a tougher standard of living where we're not we don't crumble. We don't. We don't break under, you know, persecution or if something doesn't work out or things happen or somebody does something to us, we have a strength and love to overcome those those challenges. And this is what walking in the law of the Lord. This is the whole of God's revealed will. His will for your life. First of all, we know in Galatians or it might be Hebrews. One of the one of the says the will of God is thankfulness, to be thankful. So we need to stay thankful. There's people in the world who have very little, but they find a way to be thankful for what they have. You know, they don't have all the, the blessings and the riches in the world. They don't have all the stuff, but they just find a way to say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you've blessed me with. Thank you, God, for, for what you've done in my life. Thank, thank you for the opportunities and for my family and for those you give. Thank, thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Instead of being ungrateful and bitter and you know, you know, obviously if your husband or wife does something really mean to you, it's going to be hard to be, <laughs> to be grateful or thankful to God for that person. You're going to want to probably murder them or, or, 
you're going to want to do something to get back at them if they've hurt you. But see, this is where we need to grow in the things of God and understand his word and allow God's character to, to seep into us and become our character, to become our um, positioning and standard. And it's not always easy. And people who act like it's easy to, to be a Christian or to walk with God, it's just so easy. It's like, come on, give me a break. Like, it is not easy. It's something that you have to contend for, contend for the faith. Be strong. It's a race. There, there's a part of it that, you know, requires immense discipline and strength, an inner strength, not a physical strength, but an inner strength to, you know, withstand temptation, to withstand things that come to try to get you to veer off the path, to get you to to get distracted or to, to look in, in a different direction. And God doesn't want us to get, si- you know, sidetracked or, you know, sideswiped by life. He wants us to be on a, a, a sure footing, a good foundation, so that when the storms come, we don't end up getting blown out to sea and everything destroyed. All the work of our hands is destroyed. In verse 2, it says, Blessed, happy, Fortunate and to be envied are they who keep his testimonies and who seek, inquire for, and of him and crave him with the whole heart. There's another one right there. That's it's incredible, right? Just meditating on what does that mean? Right? Blessed are they who keep his testimonies, those who keep and, and proclaim what he's done. Right, What he's done in the Bible, God has testimonies of who he is throughout the whole book, of his faithfulness. of his. There's testimonies of his wrath and judgment, but there's testimonies of his great love and redemption, his patience, his kindness. You know, if God wanted to, we, we could not, we, we wouldn't even exist. We wouldn't even have the ability to think. And that's why atheism, again, it drives me nuts because it's like, the people that have this mind that they're like high-minded and think, oh, there's no God or, oh, yeah, this foolishness, you know, God doesn't exist. It's That's why the Bible says it's a fool who says that there is no God because it's so foolish to live in this world and to not know where how you, you know, like you, you don't know other than what science has said. And some of it is just nonsense, right? You're a, you were a monkey, you were a tadpole, and then you, you became a monkey, half a monkey, and then you just evolved into this intelligent being with all these emotions and love. And then there's the creation that's like, well, you were created by a loving father who loves you, who created you for fellowship and wants a relationship with you and, and, and wants you to live holy and live with moral character and live the way that he designed you to live. And people want to choose, I don't believe in God. Why? Because they're wicked and evil in their heart. They don't want any authority over them telling them you need to live right. You need to love right. And that's who God is, right? He's this God who, when you get around him, he commands this higher level. You you just, you sense it when you're around him. That's part of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is understanding that God is awesome and holy and good and pure and we're wicked, right? Like we don't, we're not pure unless we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Then we're pure. But if we're outside of that, 
we're just fallen, broken, doomed to die and fail men, mankind. And that's what the whole atheist view is. You're, you're going to come to nothing in all your arguments and all your high mindedness of what you think the earth and the world is. And you were a monkey, right? Throwing turds at one another back in the day. And what's funny is there's still monkeys around and they're still throwing turds at each other. So if there's evolution, then the <laughs> there should be no more monkeys, poop throwing monkeys, right? But it says he, he who seeks and inquires for and of him and crave him with the whole heart. I love that right there. Crave him with the whole heart, not partial not a little bit. And let me tell you, if you got a little bit, keep let that come through and take over your desire because that little bit goes a long way. And there's been times where I don't feel it, you know? I've been a Christian for 20-something years, and there's times where you're just not craving God. You're, you don't feel like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to be in this because your flesh is just raging, right? Your flesh is just, maybe you're having a little fit. You're mad, you're mad at life, you're disappointed. And when you're in those mind frames, you're not thinking, I want to go be with God. But the cool thing about it is as you give yourself to that craving, especially in those moments when it's tough, when you just spontaneously say, you know what, I'm not listening to this flesh of mine. I'm not letting my emotions dictate to me how I'm going to react. I'm going to let my love for God and my, my that little desire that says, turn to God, go after God, and I'm going to let it become the loudest thing in my life, and I'm going to get on my face, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to turn to his word, and as you do that, you will, that will grow in your life. That, sh that will become a strength in you, so when you're walking through tough seasons, or even in the good seasons, even when things are good, that you'll have this desire that turns your gaze from life and from the blessing or from the sadness and sorrow and it turns it to God to recognize he's God and he's awesome and he's worthy of your attention and that craving that desire I'm telling you there's nothing like it I've 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 battled with the desire to not want to turn to God but I've never not had the desire to turn to God meaning there's always been a fight from you know my carnal nature or maybe disappointments or you just go through some hard times or you think you you wanted this and you didn't get it and you get mad at God or you get mad at life and so there's times like that where you just you have to realize oh I, I have to grow up oh I have to I have to step into what God has called me to as a man and as a woman of God and that's not just look a lot of people in the world say okay this is what it looks like to be a man this is what it looks like to be a woman and their, their, their vision of what it looks like is skewed by, you know, success, okay? If you, and it's success meaning you're really wealthy, you're really liked by everybody, and that's what, that's what you need. That's what every man and woman should aspire to be. But yet, in, inwardly, there's a mess, right? There's destruction, there's divorce. They, they could be successful with money, but they've been married 14 times, right? I mean, that's a lot. Maybe five, let's just go with three or four times. Uh, but they're broken relationships. They're they're broken in their family. They don't have good relationships with their children. There's a dynamic there that's busted because what the world calls success is at a cost to what God calls success. And that's not. We don't want to get twisted and get it the the vision out of whack. 
I think if you can become emotionally stable in God and, and have a closeness and a relationship with him, that is a step above anybody who's a billionaire in this life, okay? And ultimately the goal isn't to have billions and billions of dollars so you can, you know, you know, be in a rap video and throw the money and make it rain, right? <laughs> or, or, or be on a boat, like, look at me, I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, right? <laughs> that this is the world's view of like oh look at that it's cool they're on a boat they're on a yacht or they have they're so blessed and it's like it literally can be distracting to the main point of what life is about and life is about loving god loving your neighbor as yourself and having the satisfaction the peace the joy that god brings through fellowship with him and understanding he's the one who meets every need in your life. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider, but not only is he my provider, he's the provider for my family. He's the provider. He's the one who comes and brings provision, gives me the ability to take care of my family. He's the one who blesses over and above whatever I could ask or think. He, he's a good God. And when we crave him with our whole heart, it positions us to be blessed. It positions us to be happy, to be fortunate, to be fortunate, meaning, wow, you're, that's such, you're so fortunate to, to have what you have or the family or the opportunities or the gifting, whatever it is, like God blesses us. And it's something to be looked at and to be desired so that the world can see, hey, the blessing isn't there to become a distraction, but the blessing there is there to bring glory to God because he's good. Just like I would want to bless my children, but do I want to bless my child who's a brat, who's selfish, who's stinking attitude, who hates people, who doesn't love people, who, who only cares about himself? Like that's not me blessing my child. That's me spoiling my child because the character, their character is underdeveloped. And if you bless somebody like that, they're going to cause problems. But if you bless somebody who has... Uh, this open heart to to be like God and, and God can use them, then it, it's a whole different story. And you, we've seen this. We've seen this in, in life. Kids that are spoiled brats, you know? And you also have, you know, the dynamic of people who are wealthy, like no matter what people say about Donald Trump and they have all these different opinions, you would look at his family and the fact that his kids, they just always carried themselves very elegantly, respectfully, um, you know, I don't know all their personal de details of their life or how they do things, but they've tried to find dirt, dirt after dirt. They've tried to go after. They can't really find anything. And it seems like this guy who's who honestly is a little like Trump is one of a kind. There's nobody like him for sure, you know, but he he's done something to instill some kind of character. And I really believe that comes from God in his children. And you see it on his family. And that's what I want for my family. I want that for my children and for my wife and for us to carry ourselves with dignity and with blessing and with, with the, where people can see that we love God, we know God, right? They don't just see, hey, we have money and manners, right? We're not like, like we're some kind of royalty, but they, they have money, manners, and they love God. And there's a presence of God and there's a weightiness of God on their life, which to me is the most valuable thing of all. That is the most precious thing of all. That's the thing that you want above 
everything else. In verse three, it says, yes, they do not, they do no unrighteousness, no willful wandering from his precepts. They walk in his ways. So people who love the word of God, who love God, they're not looking willfully to wander away from him. They're not looking willfully to make decisions that would compromise um, God's will or his purpose in their life. They're looking for the upright path, right? The way that he would want them to walk. They walk in his ways, in his ways, not their ways, not another man's way, not the world's ways, right? Not the LGBTQ, W, X, Y, and Z ways or the whatever um, CDC, whatever organization, FBI, um, you know, obviously there's laws in the land and you need to abide by the law, but there's some laws that are going to be coming for Christians that you're, you're going to buy the Bible and the authority of God. You're going to have a, a, a choice to either bow to ball or to stand up for God. And that's something I think is coming down the road and is already here in some, in some states and some counties. There's laws that they're trying to pass and they have passed that actually push against Christianity and the freedoms that we've had. And I think people are going to have to make a choice um, to willfully go, go God's way and not willfully turn away from God because they're afraid or they're scared that people are going to judge them or there's going to be a punishment. I mean, this is the, the rubber meeting the road in Christianity. For a lot of Christians, you're going to see a, that's the great falling away is going to happen when there's a great persecution. Because how are people going to fall away when it's all you know good and glorious and everything's comfortable? Because that's just not people's nature. They'll, they'll stay in a comfortable place as long as you let them. That's just the way humanity, it seems like a lot of people are that way. They'll just hang out and they'll stay and they'll be comfortable and you, you could give them hints, hey, it's time to move on. Hey, you need to start kind of realizing things are shifting. But if they're comfortable and they like where they're at, they will, they will hang out there until, you, you know, until they have to move, all right? And there's a difference between being faithful and then God moving you and you're just being faithful to God, then you're just trying to hold on to your comfort level. But when God comes to disrupt that in this hour, in these last days, there's going to be a great falling away. It's because men are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money, full of all kind of wickedness. There's a scripture that talks about it in Timothy. And that's something we don't want to be, as Christians, want to be found in that group. We want to be found in this group, this Psalms 119, loving God's word, loving them, meditating on them, knowing them, pursuing them, craving them going after them diligently for he has commanded us to keep his precepts that we should observe them diligently. What's diligently mean? That means excellence. Doing it diligently means not half button it, right? But doing it with making sure it's all done um, not only with integrity and character, but it's done like where the T's are crossed, the, the I's are dotted, and you're looking over and you're making sure you did the best that you could do with, with the situation that's given you. Diligence. Oh, this is five. Oh, that my ways were directed and established to observe your statutes. Hearing, receiving, and loving and, and, and loving and obeying them. Here, this is a tough one. 
Oh, that my ways were directed and established to observe your statutes. Here's, here's where people really struggle when it comes to the word of God, because they like to hear the nice stuff. They like to hear the things that, oh, God loves you. And God just, he just accepts you. And there's, you know, there's no shame. There's no guilt, you know, and yeah, there's not. And that's true. And we love hearing that because it brings healing and it brings restoration. But then there's the part of like the correction part, right? And and the part that says, okay, now stop. Now don't do. Now obey God. Now turn away from this, right? And having a hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them attitude. I want to hear. I want to receive. Not only that, but love and obey them to where it now enters in and penetrates into my everyday, every moment life and shapes and and transforms me into what God has called me to be and how to live. Then shall I not be put to shame, right? So when you're talking about, which I just mentioned, shame, and people make mistakes, right? People who sin, people who know they've made mistakes and the enemy comes and he wants to, look what you did, and you're like, I know, I'm so bad, you know? (laughs) I'm nobody. I'm just such a, I'm so, you know, miserable. I hate myself and I just, I should die. You know, people get into this really dark place and then it's suicidal and it becomes real wicked and evil and and evil. And it brings like just the darkness over people's soul, right? Shame because of failure, because of mistakes, because of things they've done wrong. And here's the, the Bible saying, you won't be put to shame. When? When you love, hear, receive God's statutes, when you observe them, when you meditate on them, when you, when you put them first place in your life, then shall I not be put to shame by failing to inherit your promises when I have respect for all your commandments. There's the key word, respect, honor, looking at them with a high um, regard, looking at them and going, this is this is more important than any other information that I'm going to receive in my life. Okay? God's word trumps every bit of news or gossip or whatever you want to find. Oh, did you hear? Oh my gosh, did you hear this happen? Oh, did you know so and so did this and so and you know, we're always they always want to announce when like some movie star or some TV star passed away. Right? But they don't want to announce when some like I don't know some great man of God or some great person who added to society and really made a change for the better. It's like, I get it. Like Martin Luther King, when he was assassinated, that was news everybody needed to know, right? When, when important people are, but then it's like when like some actor who was like, you know, lived a rough life and he died of an overdose and it's some depressed thing and then it becomes like, oh my gosh. And they just want to focus on like, oh, look at the movies he was in and he was so great in this. But then, they don't actually use it as a teaching moment. Oh, look at, look at what happens when you live your life and you find success and you don't have God and you don't keep his precepts before you. you your life is taken from you short. Why? Because you're, cause you're, you're not, God's not there to, to protect you and guard you and guide you. You've gone your own way. And that, what was that actor who played the Joker, right? Heath Ledger, who was an incredible gift, which I actually uh, had the opportunity of meeting him briefly. 
in uh, when I used to work in Studio City in California, I was uh, I worked at this store called The Warehouse, which was a pretty big chain in California for uh, if you guys remember CDs and cassette tapes, VHS, and then it became DVDs and uh, then Blu-rays. And I would work at the store, and you know, as a cashier, as a uh, stocking, and I play. I actually worked in there. They had like a really cool video game sec- section where um, it was all the video games that were out at the time. And I would get people just walking in because of where it was located. Uh, and it was like Cuba uh, Gooding Jr., Vin Diesel, um, who else? Uh, Chris Rock came in there, bought a bunch of Mahalia Jackson CDs, which. <laughs> Guy spent like, I, I, I'm telling you, like $700 on CDs that day. I just remember. I actually kept the receipt because he signed it, and I kept it, and I over the years I lost it. But Heath Ledger came in one day, and he was poking around, just kind of looking around. And sometimes I think these guys, they like to be noticed, especially when they're newer, and they want to go out, and they want to kind of look around, see if anybody's... <laughs> anybody's like oh look it's 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 Heath or it's it's the movie star and uh but it was it was cool it was a cool experience you just get to see people and Buffy the it was like Sarah Michelle Geller was in there Reese Witherspoon I mean this place was like popping this is where everybody came to get their I guess their stuff back in the day but now it's like all done online so you don't have to go into a store but anyways that guy ends up dying from an overdose. Credible actor, very gifted. And uh, behind the scenes in that world, there's so much drugs, uh, debauchery, sexual immorality going on behind the scenes. Looseness, just no God, no honor for God, no thought of God. It's godless. And it's sad because there's people who God created and gifted and they're being used by the enemy and their lives are on a road to destruction if they don't, you know, invite God into their life. Anyways, I got off on a on a side note there. I will praise and give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn by sanctified experiences your righteous judgments. How many of you have been through some sanctified experiences? <laughs> You go through some hard times and it's God sanctifying you, purifying, right? He's allowing you to go through some hard times and not just rescue you from every challenge so that you can get strong and purified in your heart and in your uh, obedience, your righteous judgments, your decisions against and punishments punishments for particular, particular lines of thought and conduct. This is why I love the Amplified Bible. Because the Amplified Bible takes it and really brings it home to what it's saying. So I will praise and give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. Uprightness of heart is what? A heart that is turned towards God, that's pure. There's no motive of like deception or guile, but it's just in this place of of purity. Being upright is being in, in, I believe, in unity with God. When I learn by your experiences that doesn't mean you're 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 perfect right it just means your heart wants to be perfect and your desire is god whatever you want to do in my life i want to use it to teach me use it to shape me use it to form me into the man you want me to be and it says um 
your decisions against and and punishments for particular lines of thought. So it's not just talking about your, your actions, but it's talking about your thought life because your thought life is where everything originates from, right? The, your actions come from thoughts. Your conduct will originate from thoughts. So your thoughts is where God is wanting to come and bring correction and shape and form. And the word of God does that as you meditate, as you bring it in, as you allow, um, you know, and it's not just reading the word, but it's listening to teachers that you can trust and respect that, you know, they're not teaching a bunch of nonsense, but they're getting in and they're speaking. That's why I can listen to teachers who bring it to the heart level and the, in, in the inner working of, of what's going on in people's minds and hearts, because that's where the real warfare is taking place. When people start getting off on this goofy stuff and trying to get people to focus out there and focus in the heavenlies and there's devils warring out outside. And it's, you know, and granted, the Bible does teach that. Right. But I think it's a distraction for people to focus on some kind of invisible demonic warfare when the real warfare is going on within their own heart and mind through their unforgiveness, through their bitterness, through the way they look at people, through the way they treat one another, how they love one another. All these things, you have to turn people inward to see the battle is going on inside. And your character and your ability to be formed and shaped in who God wants you to be comes from the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. He's there to help you, to show you, to reveal you, to walk with you through life so that you can win the battle. Because the battle's already been won by Jesus dying. So if he, you know, take the keys from the devil, he basically stripped the enemy of his power, making an open display of him. It says that in the Bible. He he shamed them all as he ascended to heaven. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Then the way the enemy is working isn't, he's not like up there and two angels are fighting over your life, Right? And if they are, if you want to imagine that, that that's where they're fighting, then you have to take it and bring it. They're fighting over your, your mindset. They're, the enemy's wanting to put his little words in there and the, the, the uh, Holy Spirit and the angels are wanting to get you to focus on God's word and his truth and what God's saying. So the warfare is happening maybe out there in the heavenlies, and that's fine, okay? I'm not going to sit here and, and say that's, you know, hypo- hypocrisy or what do they call it? Um, it's heresy when you teach people that there is a demonic realm and there's a, a, a angelic that, that there's actually a realm there where there's stuff going on. But to, to remove it from the individual's mind and their heart and their inner workings is just nonsense. You need to speak to people's um, to them and deal with what's going on on the inside. And maybe there is some demonic stuff like possession or. They've allowed some things in, but what what has the enemy done? He's come come in and like a, a deceptive serpent shaped and formed their mindset. Why do you see people on the streets living and in, in pooping on themselves or living in stinky clothes, just living in the mud and the muck and the mire and just okay with it? Why? Because the devil has twisted them off in such a way inwardly in their heart and in their mind to believe lies about themselves, to believe lies about their future, believe lies about, you know, and, and, and has brought maybe even abuse, abuse from family, abuse from their past, pains they've gone through. I remember a homeless guy used to, uh, 
one of my jobs when I was in college, I worked at Radio Shack and um, there was this guy who was always hanging out and ended up befriending him. And I believe his name was Wayne, but he was supposedly, his story was he was a, a Vietnam veteran and he used to have fly helicopters. And uh, when I got to know him, he started talking about this relationship where this woman that he loved broke his heart, completely just shattered him. And he became an alcoholic. It wasn't even Vietnam. And maybe there was some stuff there from, from the war that he wasn't opening up about. But what I discerned was that he had been so wrecked by this relationship that he just completely gave up on life and himself. And the devil got in there and just totally wrecked him. And one day I saw him on the side of the road. And I'm telling you, I lay hands on this guy. I prayed for him. I would preach. I would actually... Um, the way I got in to actually open up to talk to him was he asked me to buy him a six pack or I think it was like some beer or something. So I went next door, I got him some beer, I brought it out to him. And then I sat there and I talked to him. And then I built a relationship with him every night. Hey, what's going on? You know, hey, buddy. Hey, and he would walk into the store and it would smell so bad. It was so bad. And he kind of just you get, hey, man, what? can can we get you a hotel room and you can go take a shower or like and just start doing little things like that to help him and then start speaking and prophesying over his life saying hey you you can get out of this hey god's got a plan for you and those words are warfare those words are swords coming in and breaking off the deception of he's a nobody you're a loser you're a scumbag you're an alcoholic look at you you're a bum right no you don't come in and, and, and agree with the devil and go oh, what are you doing out here you loser you bum, you alcoholic, you're nobody, you're a piece of crap. That's the devil using people in other people's lives. That's demonic. If you wanna know where the devil is, he's right there when people open their mouth and say those type of words. But when you come in with life and you come in with truth and you come in, hey, this isn't who you are, this is who you are, and I break that in Jesus' name, those lying, that lying spirit, that deceptive spirit over your life, those people who have hurt you, I pray forgiveness, I pray strength, I pray healing over your life. And I'm telling you, I think it was like a few months later, whatever, I saw him walking down the street. He was cleaned up. He, was, he actually looked like he had been in a program or something. And it was, it's just awesome what God can do. It's awesome what God can take somebody who's in the pit, and when you come in with life in, in the light of God's word and the truth of what God, who God is, and he empowers us supernaturally to do this, that's warfare. That's you busting the devil over the head, okay? You can sit in a room for one hour or two hours and just sit there and pray and pray for your nation and pray for people who are in chains and pray. And, and at the end of it, just say a bunch of words that go out into the air and you think devils and angels are fighting and you're, the, the angels are now winning because you just prayed for an hour over somebody. Or you can get off your, your knees after praying, right? And I'm not saying you can't pray for a long time. That's great. But let the prayer lead you to action. Get up, grab your sword, grab your shield, go out there, find somebody who's broken and busted and go bring the light and the truth and the life of God to that individual. This is Christianity. This nonsense of getting in a room and just being alone and just that's, that's where it's all happening is such deception in the church, okay? You can be alone with God in your home. You don't have to go from one room to another room to go be alone with God for hours to then just go do nothing for God. 
if you going and being alone in a room at a church in a prayer meeting in a prayer room for hours and you're praying and in let's say there's a time where it's just for you god's building you up god's there's things breaking off your life that's great the presence of god is there to heal you hallelujah but then you got to move past that place to know you're healed you're whole you get identity you get truth and then doesn't mean you won't, you're not gonna be perf- perfect, right? And we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. But then you get an assignment, you get a purpose, you get a calling, and you take it, you pick it up, and you go do something with what God's given you. And churches that do not teach that as a truth and a doctrine, it's foolishness, it's nonsense. It makes me mad because it's like you have this great, this amazing part of God figured out. This is beautiful here, but then right here, you're ugly. You are naked, you're wretched, you're poor, and you don't even know it because you're missing the, the piece that is the piece that Jesus gave us, the most important piece, and that's the Great Commission. And if a church is not including that in what they're teaching, I'm just telling you something's, something's off. You're gonna have a bunch of fat, spiritual babies wanting more milk and wanting, you know, Come, please feed me another Baba, Daddy. Instead of going out there with some meat and going and serving up and serving the devil some defeat in Jesus' name and seeing people and seeing bondage broken off of people's lives, preaching the gospel to the poor. People should be, after spending time with God, they should have a fervency, a desire, a mission. He is very missional. He is very assignment given. He gives us tasks. That's why at the beginning of this, it talks about the will of God and that you're on a path and you're moving in your conduct and your character. Everything is lining up with your assignment and what God wants you to do. I will keep your statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed and keeping watch on himself. There it goes back to the whole warfare thing by taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to what god's word according to his precepts conforming his life to it you want to win battles conform your life to the word of god you want to be victorious conform your mind and your life to god's word you want to be demon possessed and be led by the and be deceived then let the world come in and let let other nonsense come in and shape in your thinking and let black life matter and uh whatever lgbtq thing and whatever other you know <laughs> uh societal thing that's out there some kind of um uh you know what do they call them activists right activist mindset we gotta stop we gotta save the whales right we gotta save the turtles the baby turtles it's like People will get an assignment from the world of saving turtles while mankind is going to hell and perishing, while babies are being aborted, right? Like pick up a a cause that lines up with God's cause, his calling, and actually have purpose that's eternal. Not not just you're going to save some whales and some turtles that one day are going to be completely destroyed because this earth is on its way to being destroyed. That's what the Bible teaches. And the new heaven and the new earth, and you can get into all whatever kind of debate, which honestly don't care. All I know is that this earth is on its way. That's why you have huge hurricanes and earthquakes. And the Bible talks about destruction that's coming 
in a natural sense, that it's not going to be wars, even though there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, there's also going to be natural disasters amplified and there's going to they're going to be bigger and there's going to be a lot of stuff that's happening and people need to be aware and tapped into it. Not only that, to be, but be in the safety of God. Be in the in the secret place with the Lord, so that because God will protect you, God will keep you, just like He did um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just like He has in in all when Moses was put in a little, you know, wooden basket and sent down a river for him to be found. I mean, that takes great faith to to put a baby in a basket and to go. Okay, hopefully somebody finds you. So there's there's the dynamics there where God's hand can come upon your life and is very providential, protect, protects you and leads and guides you and puts you and places you right where you need to be in a, in a place of shelter, in a place of, of, of keeping you safe from what's happening on the outside. And that's not from the sense of persecution of the enemy in the sense of you being a Christian. This is protecting you from uh, disaster and tragedy. How shall a young man cleanse his way? How shall a young man cleanse his way how how shall he do it not how shall god cleanse his way okay we can say yeah jesus cleansed your way at the cross he, he's wiped your slate clean but how many of you know people get saved and then they still sin people get full of the holy spirit and they still turn back to the world and then six months maybe two years for some people five ten years they they completely turn from god and backslide and are no longer even in love with the Lord, they're angry, they're bitter, and they hate their life. Well, how can a young man, or I would even put this for all men, by what? By taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to God's word, conforming his life to it. So how can you cleanse your way? By allowing the word of God into those nooks and crannies of your life, into the depths of your soul, and letting it speak and not, and not just um, your own mind and your own heart. In verse 10, it says, With my whole heart have I sought you. Everything in my heart that I, that I know that's there, right? That I know, I want my whole heart. And if you're not sh- sure about that, if you're not confident in that, then you need to get before the Lord and say, God, help me, help my whole heart. I want my whole heart, everything about me to seek you, to want to know you, to desire you. I want to give you everything, my all. With my whole heart, I have sought you, inquiring for and of you and yearning for you. There's another word, a crave. Here's another one, and yearning for you. Oh, let me not wander a step aside, either in ignorance or willfully from your commandments. With my whole heart, I have sought you, inquiring for and of you. I need you. God, I'm asking you, help me. I'm asking you, open up who you are to me. Show me, not only that, but show me the path to take. Show me the direction. Protect me from evil. Protect me from those who would want to harm me. God, put me in a place that that you want me to be for your purpose and your glory. And let me not wander or step aside, either in ignorance, because I didn't know any better, or because I did know better and willfully I turned. God, I'm asking you to keep me from that place. Keep me in a place of purity before you so that I wouldn't turn away from your commandments, but that I would keep them before me. 
Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a famous one, right? That's, that's one a lot of people know. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I'm putting your word in my heart because I know without it in my heart, I have an ability to sin against you, to miss the mark, to trip and fall, to fail miserably. But if I put your word in my heart and I keep your precepts before me, they will be a guide and a guard from me slipping. They will keep my foot from from stepping on <laughs> the banana peel, right? Like, I don't know why all of a sudden, oh, there's sin. You slip and you fall and you bust your butt. But your word will protect me. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared and recounted all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and have respect to your ways. The paths of life marked out by your law. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimony as much in all riches. So he's saying, I rejoice in your testimonies. And I would say even more so, right? Even more so than having all the riches in the world. Because a lot of times people, (laughs) right? What gets people happy? Money, baby. Fred, you know, or (laughs) bread, Fred. Dojo. People really get excited when they have money. I've seen people who don't have money and they're sad. And then people who have money and they're happy. But more importantly, shouldn't we be happy when we have God? And trust God for the riches. Trust God for the blessing. But more importantly, because if that's what's going to turn your, your heart from joy to, to sadness, then you're missing out on the true riches. You're missing out on, on who God is. Because if you can find your joy in him, then you can be, like Paul said, I've learned to be a base and I've learned to abound. So I can be either in abundance and and, and prosperous and being super blessed, or I can be, I I know what it's it's like to to kind of, um, to be a base, meaning it's a struggle, it's tight. And I don't think the goal is obviously to be on a roller coaster ride. And I think Paul in his, the end of his life was blessed he didn't because he paid for his own way. There's a scripture in Acts that talks about Paul basically providing for his own needs. He wasn't like, um, you know, he didn't have to get a pay a paycheck because he was taking care of. Um, and I don't know all the story behind it, but I don't think it's God's heart. I don't. I don't believe in the. This is what's weird about people who bash the prosperity gospel. So if there's a prosperity gospel and that's wrong, so then what's the opposite of that? a non-prosperity gospel, a poverty gospel, right? Like people believe like there's a poverty gospel, like which one's fake and which one's real? Well, let me tell you what I believe because I know God and because I know his love for his children, that he's a God of prosperity and blessing because he's good and he's a king and he owns everything. He, he's he's rich indeed. Look at the temple that he had David build. Or, or actually Solomon built it, but David designed. And all the gold and all the riches. And, and all you have to do is just look at God and, and theology and see that God is a God of, of, he's a king. He's rich. He's he's wealthy beyond any king, any, any ruler. You think Bill Gates is wealthy? You think um, 
Elon Musk is is wealthy, you think these people who who are are billionaires, they got nothing on God. They're poor. In fact, they're poor even more so because they're poor spiritually and they're destitute and they're 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 empty without him. They can have billions of dollars but be empty without God. So I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live. And I will observe your word, hearing, receiving, and loving, and obeying it. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes, God, to see the wonders of your, of your truth, of your law. And people always want to say, oh, we don't live by the law. We're, the, we're under grace. We're not under the law. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're under grace because if we're under the law, then we'd all be dead, right? Or we all, we'd all should, we'd be missing hands, our tongue would be cut out, our eyes would be... <laughs> we'd have like, no, we'd be blind because of stuff people have looked at that are against God. It's like, no, we're, we're under grace because God gives us grace to live. But it doesn't mean that the law of God is removed. The law of God is there to keep us in line with his heart. The law of God are not rules and judgments right, that he wanted to put to to make it hard for man. The law of God is God's character and who he is. So you can't remove the law from God. It's, he's, he is the law. His character and who is, he is, is saying, thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shall not steal, right, and lie. That, that, these are, um, thou shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. These, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. These, these are who he is, and he's placed them there because his desire is for us to know him. And for us to know him, we have to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And for us to honor him, we have to honor the things he likes and, and agree with him on the things he doesn't like. And that causes character and integrity to be birthed within us when we, when we respect and honor God's law. I am a stranger and a temporary resident on the earth. Oh, that's ain't that the truth? I'm a stranger and a temporary resident on the earth. This is the this is the point of it all right here. A temporary resident on the earth. I'm only here temporarily. I'm not going to be here forever. In fact, you talk to any person over 50 or 60 and they're like, wow, life goes by really fast. And oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm 60, 70. Oh, now I'm eight. I can't believe it. And the closer they are to death, the more numb they become to the reality of it, unless they're close to God. Because if you're close to God, you're kind of not, you're kind of like, um, this earth is strangely dim, meaning the more you get older and you get closer to the Lord and you realize, okay, my time's coming, you shouldn't have this fear and anxiety. You should have this, I'm ready. I'm, I'm looking to him. I'm looking to the one who I've been saved and redeemed by. That's the Holy Spirit preparing you to step over instead of trying to cling to this life and have all this misery and depression and 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 oh, fear and oh my gosh everybody's got to freak out because you're going to die it's like no this is a part of it and we need to teach people how to healthily healthily embrace the fact that they're going to die so they don't live this um you know weird deceptive view of of life now you're only here for a little bit you don't get forever so you need to you need to understand God's watching and God's God is God and he's there. And so you're you're a temporary resident on the earth. You're a stranger in in this earth. You're not um you're you're going to leave at some point. So this is why it's important and this is where David is saying 
Hide not your commandments from me. Don't hide them from me, God. Let me see them. Let them be before me. My heart is breaking with the longing that it has for your truth, your ordinances, and judgments at all times. At all times. Gosh, man, this is such a a great just um, chapter to go through. Psalms 119. It just, there's so much here. And there's such a love for God's word. There's such a spirit on it of like pointing you towards, hey, remember the word of God is so important. It's so important. Keep it, keep it above, uh, you know, and around you. Keep it before you every day. The word of God. I'm going to stop at this verse 20. My heart is breaking with a longing that it has for your ordinances and judgments at all times. I mean, really, who? (laughs) When you meet people like this, let me tell you, you're going to know it. When you meet people that love God and his word like this, let me tell you, it sticks out of the crowd. It calls you up. It takes you out of darkness. You get around them. They're like a magnet. They They just pull people who are in darkness towards Jesus because they understand God's word, his truth, his ordinance, and their heart is in this place of longing, desiring. He even says it's breaking, meaning like I feel a brokenness, a brokenness over my own, um, my, my need and my desire to know you, to know your truth. And this type of thing God sees, he has the ears See, his ears aren't like men's ears. God doesn't have ears like, like we do, okay? God has ears that hear um, different frequencies. He hears the voice behind the voice. He hears that depths of your soul that are speaking when you don't even know they're speaking. The cry of your heart. He hears the deceptions and the lies of the enemy. He sees where your heart is evil, where you, where it's your desire, your your um, wickedness. He sees it. He knows it. He knows the motives. He knows the inclinations. And he hears it all. But even still, he beckons and he says, come, come to me, come before me. Let, let who I am break in to your life, into the depths of your soul, into those hidden places, because I hear those places crying out to me, but I also see the chains and the bondage and the brokenness of your soul, and God is wanting us to invite him in, and also, how do we invite him in? Not only with a cry and a heart that says, God, come, but by putting his word, by putting his truth before us, by spending time with him and his people, by being in church, by by being in an environment that is filled with with people who love him and hanging out with people like that. You don't want to hang out with people who hate God because they'll lead you in a direction that is not towards God, but away from him. God, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that it would bless people today. I pray, Lord, that people would have a hunger for your word, that they would long and crave and desire and their heart would break to know you, to know your word, to know your truth, and to live 
um, not in a place of judgment over people or in some sort of like uh, legalistic, like snotty and tooty attitude. And then that next verse, which I'm just going to read real quick because it goes along with what I'm praying. He says, you rebuke the proud and arrogant, the accursed ones who err and wander from your commandments. God, you don't, you're, you're not looking um, on the heart that's proud and arrogant and boastful and the one who's who's legalistic or religious and oh i i love god and i know god's word and, and you're you're a sinner you're a piece you don't love god like i you know not that attitude god we rebuke that in jesus name but a, a attitude like david a, a humble a humility a brokenness knowing his own weakness seeking his seeking you and in, in, in wanting correct his own way and bringing your word in to challenge his own heart and his own wickedness I pray you give people an understanding, God, that they they need to apply the word of God into those areas of their life to challenge the attitudes, the thoughts, the intentions, the things that come. Your The word says that your word is like a sword, sharper than a two-edged sword that pierces in the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And that right there, God, is really the warfare over the thoughts and the intentions of the heart where the enemy wants to try to deceive and plant seeds and bring destruction he does it in this way he does it from the inside out god i just pray lord that you would even jesus said out of the abundance of the heart or he said out of um out of the wickedness of man's heart comes these sins it's not what goes into a man that defiles him it's what comes out of him it's what he allows to spew out of him with no recollection or understanding of what it is there's people that are in the world that that let all kinds of wickedness and vile and disgusting come out of their out of their heart and they they have no mind of it they don't even think it's wrong they're proud they're arrogant they think that there's nothing wrong with them but they don't see how wretched and how in need of god they are god i pray you would break the veil off of them break that chain or that bondage over their mind and bring your love your peace your joy, your truth, your presence, your anointing that breaks the yoke. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name to love God, to seek God, to crave him, to to cherish him, to desire him. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.